Good day, everybody. This is Scott, your host of Cue the Smoke, and today's special guest, well, not really special, he's kind of a uh, repeat offender on, on the podcast, is John Morrissey. You guys know him as USL Tactics on Twitter. Data-driven, knows everything about everything USL numbers-wise, and uh, has really helped me understand the sport more from a data perspective. Welcome to the show, John. Yes, yeah, so happy to be back. Yeah, I, I kind of wish we had you. Hey, man, we got six points. We're top of the table. Things are looking good. Let's break it down. What looks good? Unfortunately, we have no points, no goals. And I, I really don't know, quite honestly, after watching the first two matches, what I'm seeing on the pitch. Have you had an opportunity to poke around, look at anything or your, from your perspective? Yeah, I think if I were to sum it up fairly briefly so far, it's just been a mismatch between what Mark Lowry wants tactically with that system that he has so successfully implemented at his other stops and the talent that's healthy on this roster right now. It's had knock-on effects defensively and offensively, and it's just not been pretty to watch in general. Yeah. And, and it's funny, you know, and I was guilty of it. I go to the first game watch party. I'm like Loudon, that should be a done deal based on Loudon's past record and surprise. This is not the Loudon that was a punching bag in the Eastern conference anymore. Um, based on what I heard and what the announcers were, a lot of their DC United folks have come down to get that time and get ready to come back up. So obviously it was a different Loudon than I think anybody kind of expected. Um, but there is, there's just something that's not synced up right now. Um, and I think you hit it on the head. Mark wants to push the ball, possess the ball and be very aggressive on the attacking half of the field. And it's just not happening. And obviously the score shows for it. So now we're looking at powder in, in hack or going back to Trinidad Tobago, Hack being moved up to midfield, he's a great player, and I think he could really he plays he plays anywhere well. Once again, a key missing piece of this team is going to be gone for a while. Ortiaga, uh, Ayose haven't played; they haven't been on the roster. I'm assuming it might be injury issues, whatever the case may be. Um, obviously, Ortiaga is a key player up top. Ayose, although he is the elder statesman of the team, and I say that with air quotes because he can still move like nobody's business. Um, I think he brings the leadership aspect to the team. <clears throat> um, Nikki is trying to do a lot by himself and it's just not working at this point. Yeah. And I think just to tackle a couple of the points you hit there, I've not loved the fit with Neville at that defensive midfield spot so far. And I think that defensively on that end, he's been excellent. That's what he does so well but it's the ball progression in terms of when this team ends up with possession, where he struggled a bit to find those incisive passes that let you move up the pitch as a knock on effect of that. Nikki law has had to play very deep where he's not as dangerous. He's at his best when he's able to kind of rove around in that final third, pick it up, play these wonderful little through balls. You don't get any of that when he has to drop so deep to facilitate this team getting out of their own half. That is really, you mentioned powder as well. Also. Yeah. yeah, You mentioned powder as well. He, for me has been solid enough sort of playing the fullback spot. 
because he's dynamic, he draws opponents out. When the Lowry system is working at its best, the fullbacks provide a really potent threat that forces opponents to split wider, and that lets you build up the middle. It's that same issue I'm talking about a minute ago. No offense to Jared Timmer, who I love, but he's a good central player who doesn't have that gravity to his game when he's playing at the right back spot. Rebellion is better as a central midfielder as well. So if you're an opponent, you don't have to respect that as much. You can play tight and narrow in the middle, and you're just uh, multiplying the issues that I've talked about offensively. And it's interesting, the whole hack perspective. And and now that you say that, I kind of look back on the last two matches, and, and you're right. He's definitely serviceable all over the field, but he looks a little bit like a fish out of water in, in that midfield where when he was a back, he would move up to midfield, move back as a, he would flow freely throughout that part of the field, but he would deliver those long crosses up the field or the through balls with efficiency. Um, and now you're asking him to dial that down and, and make quicker, shorter, you know, those, t- those types of decisions. And that's very interesting to what you saw there, John, because now that I think back on those matches, yeah, it, uh, it definitely holds true. And, and you're right. When you have Nikki playing back deep instead of being in that attacking third, then that takes away what he brings to the table. So it, it just sounds like right now there's just a lot of disjointed parts, for the lack of better terms right now, floating around in, inside, you know, the Indy 11. So they just signed Rodney, Rodney Michael. Did you see that? Yeah, I think that's the name. Yeah. yeah. And from what Thomas sent me, he looks like he's pretty speedy and pretty explosive. Um, maybe that will alleviate some of that pressure on the, on the guys. I, I mean, it's just, you know, we heard all these things and, and I was kind of hoping that everybody had the system down start of the season. It's a long season. It's a grind. I get it. But. I hate to say it. I'd like to see some type of improvement every match. That shows me that guys are buying in. Guys are starting to get it and understand Mark's philosophy. Um, You know, Elliot in goal has been for what he's been put under. He's been lights out. Um, You know, you kind of sit there and go, really a goal in the first 60 seconds against Tampa Bay. But that was a complete meltdown of the defense. That was absolutely <laughs> when you're back, when, when you're, when you're facing your goalkeeper at a full sprint as a back, there's a problem somewhere. And, and it was just like, I was shocked. And it was, who was I talking to? They turned the game on like a minute. Oh, I was talking to Bobby Edwards the other day. He's now coaching. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, I got to the game a minute late, turned it on. and was like, what the hell just happened? I mean, and it's just yeah. like, yeah. And we were talking, he goes, but Elliot, man, Elliot's been lights out considering the pressure that he's been under. So, you know, silver lining in the cloud, Elliot's doing well. Um, there were some late acquisitions at the keeper position, as you know, uh, and I think uh, what we got were pretty solid. Uh, the rest of it, I'm just, I, I don't know, <laughs> John. So yeah, with that goal in particular, if you look at what happened there, Rebayon, who's played 80 plus matches at multiple stops for Lowry, really high up the pitch, pressing into the midfield and tracking that Tampa wing back. But the midfield isn't ready for that. The rest of the back line doesn't expect that. 
this team is getting wires crossed right now in a way that you think is going to disappear in a month or two, maybe as they get used to each other. But boy, oh boy, you just hate to see like right from the get go, one player being out of position makes everyone else shift. Tahada gets in behind and it, it changes the match after 35 seconds oh, yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, and you're right. And, and I think you have a good point. Rebellion knows Lowry's system. So to him, what he's doing is actually second nature. This is what we do. This is what I've always known to do. It's right. the other 10 guys on the pitch going, what are you doing? That's not the way we play. And he's probably going, no, this is the way Mark wants us to play. So you're right. There probably is. I, I'm sure I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at practice this last week just to hear, you know, guys, you know, you're, you're playing old Indy 11 soccer. We've got to get that out of our mind and not play that way. But there is obviously when somebody comes in like that and knows Mark's system, knows it in his sleep, can probably do it with his eyes closed. It does make a glaring difference because then you look and go, what the heck just happened when Rebellion was probably right in doing the right thing, but nobody else kind of understood that process yet. So uh, Blue City. I, 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 yeah, Blue City. <laughs> I know. And it's like, it's like they look, you know, it's, I hate to say it, but people have already talked about it. I think we're going to come home to our home opener with zero points, bottom of the table. And that's not going to bode well for anybody. Um, no. And if you look at, uh, the numbers like the expected goals that sort of thing and i mean if you've watched any louisville at all this year they i refuse to turn it like, on no but go ahead right they're the best or second best team in the league without much of a question at this point well they look like louisville uh, louisville is louisville. yeah that's you it know, they're solid they've got they've got a system down they've got and, and granted Indiana or Indianapolis is kind of I just got I say Louisville and Indy 11 just sends me a Twitter lip fact this Saturday lip lip AFCs this Saturday they must have heard me talking but no it's really funny you say that because Indianapolis is kind of like the town that's rinse and repeat even with our football you look at all the quarterbacks we've gone through <laughs> in the last few years I'm like okay Let's match that up to the head coaches we've gone through. It's just, you know, okay. So the expectation here, people want playoffs. They want it. Um, mm -hmm. I've reset my expectation. I, if we get to the playoffs, that's awesome. I, I really would just want to see the team gel, get better and start to become a cohesive unit. And then as time moves on, they get better and better, and then they start to have those consistent seasons. That's what you see in Louisville. That's what you see in Tampa Bay. That's what you see in Orange County, even though I'm not a West Coast guy and don't really watch a whole bunch, but you see the teams mm -hmm. that do well are very consistent in their coaching, in their players, in their core players. So um, I'm not even going to ask you for the data numbers for our boys because it's probably not pretty to say the least yeah i will leave that out but i think <laughs> you hit on <laughs> you hit on a good point in terms of what the goal for the season should be if you look at this team four months from now and they're sitting 10th in the table but you feel like you've seen them grow into the system and start to perform well 
I don't think that's a disaster. And obviously you want the playoffs. Obviously you wish that things could go differently, but if this season ends with the team lower mid table, but finishes with good results and with a clear core of players that you can bring back base the system around going into next season and really use that to like race out of the starting blocks. That's not the worst scenario in the world right now. Yeah. I, I want to see the team get better as the season goes along. If that starts to happen and it's, and it's anybody can see it, that's a good thing. That points to we're moving in the right direction. People are understanding Mark's system. They're buying into the system. It was real funny. I had Andy Swift on and his episode mm-hmm. drops tomorrow and we were talking and he said, um, I think it was either him or Bobby, but I think it was Andy that said it best. He goes, Mark has this incredible ability to break down soccer to the very basic description. So he's not talking high level technical jargon to the team because any pro in their right mind, isn't going to raise their hand in practice and go, I don't know what you're talking about, coach. It, we all have those egos and that pride. We'll be like, yep, yep, I got it. Go on the field and go, what does he want me to do? So maybe part of that is okay. The communication's changed. They're starting to get it, start to understand it. Obviously, um, what you see on the field, you've got Nikki, AJ, and Hack started in Timmer. So you don't have 11 guys that have started with each other consistently. He's still maybe still plug and play with some of his players trying to figure out who fits where and who plays well together. Um, I, I kind of look at it this way. My son played in a, a tournament down in Memphis about three weeks ago and they did well. They took second place, but it was a, it was a tournament where the coach was kind of moving players around because we've got new players on the team trying to figure out what works, what works well, what doesn't work. Maybe we're seeing a little bit of that with the boys, but we can't be doing that for too long. I mean, <laughs> you know. Right. I mean, there's a, at the end of the day, you have to win matches and try to win matches, and that's great that you're figuring it out. But beyond a couple of weeks, this is a results-driven league, and you have to be reaching for that. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, Arteaga comes back. Is that going to be a huge plus for the team? I think or is it's it just going to be good but, for them? But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, certainly a really talented striker. And for me, the best at that position on this roster right now. But AOZ is the bigger get because he's somebody who has that weight at the fullback spot. I think he would fit wonderfully in the midfield because he's someone who can carry the ball up the pitch and resolve some of those issues we've seen with Hack so far. So just in what's really plaguing this team systematically, I think he's the bigger impact, but still you have questions about the age and the legs he's got just because that's how it works at this stage of the game. Like father time is undefeated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to quote that. That's going to be my new hashtag. Father time is undefeated dash John Morrissey. I'm going to give you credit (laughs) though. No, but it's really, it's interesting because I think you made a good point. Iozzi comes back, you put him back in as midfielder. Does that allow Mark to put Hack back as a back um, and let him go back to his natural position where he's obviously more comfortable um, in, in that position? So, yeah, the, it, it does open up some, some opportunities. And then when that happens, Iozzi comes back to the midfield, you let 
Nikki Law go up in the attacking half. And maybe just that one piece would start to make some dynamic changes within the way they play because they have played together too, uh, which helps when you have those three that have played together. So it'll be interesting to see um, to see how that plays out. Hopefully, Iozzi will be back soon. Him and I have been messaging back and forth on Instagram. So uh, we hope to see him back soon. That's all I can say. I don't, I don't ever want to break that kind of trust with people. So, yeah. yeah well, fingers crossed because I really do think it'll be a big deal for this side. Yeah. You got to see his son. His son is incredible. His son's like a miniature him on the pitch. I'm I no mean, kidding. That's awesome. His son's, uh, I think his son, my son went up to do some work with the development Academy and my son's an 09, a U13. So he's a pretty big guy. And I was up there and Ayose's over there and we started talking. I said, where's your son at? Oh, he's down there. He's like an set. He's like three years or two years behind my son. And little midfielder, scrappy little guy, but all over the place. I mean, just running through around. I mean, it's, that, it's like he's like a miniature Ayose. He just looks like him on the pitch. So it's kind of fun to watch him because. I was like, that's your boy. He goes, yeah, he's two years behind, but they let him play with the big kids. And I'm like, well, yeah, it kind of shows, but it's in the gene. Yeah, right. You can <laughs> see why. <laughs> so, yeah, I know it's always nice to see those guys up at practice and, you know, they've got lives and, they, you know, they're just normal people when they're not playing. And, and, the, and the cool thing that is, and I'll say this, the cool thing that is so cool about USL, and I'm sure this is probably every team and you may have realized this, these guys are in the community. and they are very, um, very reachable. They don't run away from people. They understand they're just normal human beings. I mean, Bobby Edwards resigns with the club. We're happy. We send Bobby congrats. That's awesome. A week later, Bobby Edwards retires. We're like, dude, we text him, dude, what's going on? He explains to us what's going on. And the benefactor of that has been my son, because now Bobby gets him every weekend for two hours and just puts him through the drills, which is awesome. And we didn't have that before. So it's awesome. And, and he's happy. He's in a coaching role and things kind of dropped out perfect for him. So yeah, it is kind of cool to see these guys in the community. And I'm sure throughout your travels or your other talkings with other teams, they're pretty much the same. Yeah. I just think across the board, how reachable everyone is and how down to earth and community driven so many of these clubs are, that's really the beauty of the USL following this league. And I mean, when you talk about like your communication with Bobby and the fact that you're just DMing with Aose, I think that's the beauty of how the 11 really do it right as a club. Yeah. And it, and it is because they are so reachable and attainable. It is pretty cool. Hey, Tom just joined us from the UK. Evening, Tom. Evening. Sorry, I was moving those dates and times around. It's just like I had a customer. The call ended early. Then, okay, John was like, okay, let's do it. So I'm glad you joined us, Tom. We've been talking yeah, no a little problem. bit uh, about our lack of points and being bottom of the table. And I think to kind of get you caught up real quick, John made a good point that, you know, uh, Rebellion is, is a marked guy. So he's kind of already in the system, knows the system. And maybe the rest of the guys just haven't really caught on where the wires are getting a little bit crossed at this point. Yeah. I think the thing that was most concerning to me is that we've, we've, we've really lacked uh, an attack and threat in these first two games. It's really concerned us. Um, so I'm hoping John's got some answers. 
<laughs> yeah, I had I just, just something you up a little bit. <laughs> I had been focusing on the way that this team had really struggled to build out from the back and get into the opposing half in the first place. I talked about maybe Navia lacking a little bit in terms of the ball progression, not getting much out of the fullbacks to open up everything in the middle. It's just a number of factors that are like driving Nikki Law deep down the pitch where he can't be as active and creating that threat in the final third. So that's sort of where I'm at with this team in terms of their attack right now. And we were, yeah. and Tom, we were just talking about the lack of Arteaga, Ayose, and John made a good point. Although Ayose is the older, elder statesman of the team, um, he, him coming back kind of possibly lets him go back to the midfield. Then Hack goes back to his natural back position, which allows Nikki to start staying up the field. And very simply, that could be like a key piece that changes the, the mentality. Um, not that I think Ayose is going to walk on the pitch and start right away. I don't think that's Mark's deal, or maybe it is. I, I, you know, it'll wait to be seen, but um, got a lot of work to do, to say the least, in a, in a little bit amount of time. Yeah, I think we're missing Artioga, definitely. Um, I don't know how long he's he's out for with the knee injury or whatever, but definitely need him back as soon as possible. Well, then we're losing Powder and, and Heck to their national teams. Yeah. So it's like, you know, <laughs> and we know how that usually ends up when Heck's gone. I mean, I'm not going to be that guy, but every year when Heck, just, when Heck goes and does his thing for his national team, we, we tend to suffer as a team. Yeah. But I'm sure John's numbers would probably prove that point year after year after year. It's not, I don't even think numbers need to prove he just watched the games. But, uh, yeah, isn't that right? <laughs> and we were talking to Tom about, you know, fans' expectations are obviously playoffs. I have honestly, after watching the first two matches, reset my expectations to if this team is improving all year long and getting better and better, I'm good with it. But, yeah. If we're 12 games into the season and we're still bottom of the table, that's that's yeah, that's not gonna wash with the expectations that were <clears throat> that were put on the table prior to the season when we signed Mark. Um, Mark has a system, it's a proven system, obviously. Um, so so you have to start looking at, and, and I don't want to say this, but you're gonna have to start looking at who's bought into the system and who doesn't. And, and I think that's why Mark went and got the players he got, because from what I've been told, Mark is a guy that doesn't look at film when he looks at players. He kind of goes for the guys that he's either played with or played against. And, and they've made an impact on him. So, yeah. I mean, every every coach, every every football coach is different, I suppose. Um I mean, the, the, it, it didn't have an issue for me bringing in the players he's brought in. And if he thinks those players are going to fit his system, that's fine. And I mean, over the first two games, you can see a change in system that he wants to play. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just concerning me that we, we don't look like an attacking side at all at the moment. Yeah, and I think John made a good point. If you want, John, go back to, I think you talked about when Nikki was playing too deep and the reasons why. Yeah. So I mentioned the fact that Hackshaw has struggled with really finding those incisive passes that break you through opposing midfields. 
Um, I discussed the fact that the fullbacks aren't really providing that danger that forces opponents to widen out defensively and opens up those gaps in the middle. And so as a result, if you're Nicky, you need to come much lower down the field to even get a touch. And in those positions, you're just not able to set up a teammate with a through ball, do the things that make Nicky Law so special in the final third. So it's sort of hamstringing what this team can do in those dangerous areas because they're not successful in the first place, setting up those uh, sorts of chances. Yeah. I mean, we've seen, we've seen hardly anything of, um, of Pino yet. Um, right. he's, he's barely had it. He hasn't had any service really. And yeah, I agree with you. Um, regards to Nicky Law, definitely he's, he's better position as, as playing sort of number 10 role or, or the tip of the diamond in the midfield, like higher up yeah. the pitch in general, is, is his best position. And yeah, if he's if he's too deep, then then that explains a lot. And you touched on Pino. Um, there were a number of occasions where he would sort of end up just drifting wide because the team couldn't get him the service down the middle. So he gets the ball out there, but then no one is making that run to replace the position he gave up. There's just lacking that sense of chemistry right now. And for me, that's almost why I'm hopeful that things are going to improve because the issues right now, as someone who knows what they're talking about to an extent, but isn't like a professional coach, you know, Mark is seeing all of these things and implementing them on the training ground. And he's proven time and time again in Jacksonville and El Paso that he can put together a good side. So I think he's going to address some of the more glaring problems and the players, as they get more used to one another, are going to improve as well. I I totally agree. I mean, we've got, there's improvements to be made, but we've got to get back to possessing the ball. I mean, it all comes down to, there was a few times, uh, I think it was in the Tampa Bay game and that game was just, we got rolled. Tampa Bay just, they owned us and, there was, you know, there really wasn't any moments where you're like, okay, we got a chance. We couldn't get the ball in the attacking third to save our life. And even when we did, it was Tampa Bay just closed us out. And it was just like, okay, um, going back to the Loudon game at the first half, I felt kind of good. Uh, we had some decent possession. The time of possession, the first half was kind of what I was expecting. And then it just kind of evaporated and, don't who knows what the answer is and and i I think you're right john i think hopefully the the players will start to get the system down understand the system um and we see improvements if we don't see improvements by mid-season people are going to start scratching their heads and going okay what's going on yeah absolutely and i do think when you're considering why this team has played as they have the opponents have made a fairly big difference. Loudon obviously looks really good so far, and they play a very high-pressing, active system that does well against this sort of setup. And, I mean, Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. I reference Louisville as one of the best, probably, two teams <laughs> in the league. Well, guess who the other yeah. of that pair is? Like, well, it's funny. Not the first... had an easy set, yeah. <laughs> I look at the first three games, and I'm like, if we come home with three points, that would be awesome. If yeah. we come home, we go after a lot after the loud and game time. I'm like, if we come home with one point, I'll be happy. 
now I'm just like, let's get Louisville out of the way and come home, reset, and let's get this thing going. I mean, we had the better of Louisville last season. I know it's, we did. it's, it's going to be a different system that we're playing now, and it, there's a there's a few di- uh, new players in in both teams, I think. But hopefully, we can get the better of them again. Um, well, not going to be easy. I think they've won their first three games, but yeah. Think, um, at this, well, Louisville's got a chip on their shoulder from last year too. They're not happy that we took, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. And they, I will say they've re- they've retooled a little bit in a couple of spots. They look <laughs> really good and maybe even better than last year, which is a scary thought. <laughs> that is scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Final thoughts, John. Anything you want to leave us with? Obviously, we're going to keep having you on because. The, yeah. the listeners demand it, but <laughs> how's the new gig? <laughs> yeah, doing well. Um, I guess I can be public about the fact that I'm working a bit with Sacramento this year in terms of um, some technical, tactical advising and having a good time with that. But um, in terms of the 11, I'm doing some calculated playoff odds every week and they're about cut in half from the start of the season. But this team still has something like a 20% chance of making the playoffs, which isn't what you want, but it's not out of the question. And you scrape together, you scrape (laughs) together a couple of good results in the next few weeks and things will change immensely. So hold out hope, look for the improvements because Mark Lowry is really, really good at this job and he'll have this team ticking at some point. Um, Thoughts? Yeah. Um, just hope we can give a better showing of ourselves. Um, that was the only thing to say which was concerning me was the lack of attacking threat. Um, I've no doubt that we can defend with the, when we've got AJ, Hackshaw, Timmer, uh, Michak, Jerome. I've got no doubt we can defend. It's the attacking which has um, sort of alarmed me the first few games. Now, I will say this much, that Loudon game, did anybody see AJ's header out of the box? The diving header he took? Yeah. Guy's a stud. When it's that cold outside, <laughs> the last thing you want to do is head the ball. Never mind dive on the turf. I mean, so big shout out to the commissioner of golf. So, <laughs> and I guess the COB did well down in Memphis. He's the commissioner of beers, John. Patty Seagrass. Yeah, it was a diving, yeah. diving header as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a diving header for a goal. I'll tell you what, Seagrass just looked Seagrest has looked really good in Memphis. Like, uh, if he was gone, uh, well, anyway, yeah. no, yeah, I'm yeah. happy for him. You know, <laughs> I still have yet to find out the se- the secret behind his socks with the holes in them, but that's a whole other. <laughs> that could be a whole other podcast all by itself. But he was tagged. I don't know, John. We did a. They were doing segments here last year called Miked Up, and the first one was Patty at practice, and he <clears> was he was famously tagged as the COB, the Commissioner of Beers by the COG, the commissioner of golf, which is AJ Cochran. So all of them have their own little floating nicknames. So when I see him on Twitter, I'm like, no, that's the COB. And he knows who I'm talking about. He's like, yeah. And it's just like, so when I say the COG, that's AJ, he's, he's the golfer on the team from what I understand. Love that. But to pull that header off, that diving header was like, if nothing else, I enjoyed watching that. So. And we were talking about Elliot, Tom. Elliot's Elliot's been solid based on the pressure he's been under. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, got no no bad words to say yeah. about him at all. Now, how about our new guy, 
Uh, Michael, is that what you? Yeah. What do you know about him? Um, just from what I've seen, uh, say YouTube videos and the like, um, he looks exactly what we need, but <laughs> I don't know if he'll get chucked straight in or I've no idea. Um, but yeah, he looks fast. Um, he's got an eye for goal. So, are we talking Tyler Pasher fast? Um, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> is anyone is anyone Tyler Pasher fast? Well, yeah, you do. Yeah, there is that. Is anyone that fast? But yeah, exactly. Oh, I miss that guy. I will say uh, numerically, he's he rated very well in terms of the expected goals, expected assists in League One. Um, I'm looking for maybe a striker who does a little bit more defensively just in terms of how the Lowry system plays. But I think if you can correct the offensive threat, there's enough at the back in this team that you would live with a goal scorer who doesn't do much in the press. If he's finding the back of the net, I'm going to be the guy that says, good on you, bud. Stay up there. Yeah. I don't, I don't need you working at midfield for anything. (laughs) Exactly. So. Awesome, everybody. I appreciate everybody's time. We'll get this one out. I think you're, matter of fact, tomorrow's episode will be Swifty, then Amanda, then you. So um, hopefully things have changed by then and everybody listens to this and goes, ah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. We're three and three, but uh, (laughs) it's always good to look back at some of the numbers. But John, as always, thank you for your time. You're always welcome to come on the show for anything you'd like. Tom, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Chelsea. Pretty interesting, huh? Yeah. So now they've actually got some cash. Lots of cash. <laughs> it's nothing new to them, really. Um, <laughs> they, had cash, they had cash before. They've got cash now. Well, they can touch it now. I guess that's what I'm saying. So <laughs> they can actually... I saw a meme, just real funny. I saw a meme and it said, Chelsea arriving at their next match. And it was a mega bus. It wasn't the team bus. It was actually the mega bus. And I'm like, oh, God, these are good. These are solid. But no, it was just interesting to see that. Everybody, And I'm really surprised he paid as much as he did or that conglomerate, that media conglomerate paid as much as they did. You would have figured they would have picked up Chelsea at bargain basement prices. But guess not. No, I, I can't remember. Two, 2.8 yeah. million? Yeah, that that's I think that's the most for any English club ever. Yeah, it's um, a lot of money. It is. But, all righty, folks. Well, have a good weekend, everybody. Let's hope for tomorrow we pull off and get three points. But uh, like I said, I appreciate everybody's time. Yeah, no yeah thank you. Excited to be back at some point. I don't know about you, but I sounded really good in these headphones. 